It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, a weekly adventure in nature from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name's Fergus Collins and I'm your host, so welcome aboard. This week we're heading to the Isle of Sale, a beautiful but little visited island in the inner Hebrides of Scotland. Poet, podcast regular and lover of all things nature, Kenneth Stephen lives here and in a few minutes we'll join him for his latest adventures among the island's wildlife. But first, I'm flipping the podcast on its head and enjoying a little catch-up with the crew, Hannah and Jack, who helped me make the podcast. Hello. 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 How nice to see you. And nice to see you at the front of the podcast. It's nice to be here. It's oh. weird here. Yeah. <laughs> How strange. Just so clean. <laughs> pressure. Right. <laughs> well, it's quite a nice way to sort of talk about what the podcast is and introduce listeners who may not, may not have heard us all before about why we do this and some of our regular bits and pieces, plus a listener email which we'd like to share with mm. you. But before further ado, we also have a little section, which is what have we been up to in the wild world in the last week? Sightings and happenings. I'm going to look at you, Jack. Jack, have you been anywhere, done anything? I have. Oh, oh. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> Took a deep oh, breath. Yeah. <laughs> I did take a little trip to my local county show. Oh. Where is your local county? South Gloucestershire. Delicious. You can't tell by the accent. <laughs> it was wet. Very wet. It was a very wet weekend. Quite muddy. But nice, nice little trip. I think it's always a, a nice thing to pop along to if you've got one locally. Um, oh, there are just hundreds around the country. Them. And they range from sort of almost like a, a donkey and a couple of hay bales to massive sort of 10 fields and all sorts of incredible agricultural kit. So, yeah. Wurlitzers. Wurlitzers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, how was it for you? All right. Like I said, Damp, which I think puts a dampener on the on the day, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, which is a shame, and I expect it's a shame for them when you're running it and you put that much effort, and you're going to get people not coming and stuff like that. What was the best thing you saw? Again, I think it's like the Malvern show we went to. It was, there was a massive cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great show. And I just think it's it's not until you get up close to a cow that size mm. that you go, wow, that's hefty, beefy. <laughs> 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 
is a good opportunity for people to get close to livestock. Yeah. Actually, we probably more and more as a as a as a nation in Britain disconnected with livestock. Although mm. we might see sheep and cows in fields, to actually get up up close and um, so that's impressive. Yeah, yeah very impressive. So your sightings and happenings is a large cow. No, yeah, <laughs> for a rural a podcast, cow. it's it's a tick. It's a tick from <laughs> it's a tick from the, the host. We've checked off our cow quota. Yes. Yeah, that's good. it for this week. Hannah, any any sparrowhawks again? More sparrowhawks. More sparrowhawks. Oh. I know. I keep going on about Yawn. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've seen them every single day. They are saying uh, good morning and good evening to me now as I walk home. And also another encounter in a completely different area of the city. This was probably about nine o'clock in the morning. I was walking along a road that's got so the houses on one side are higher than the houses on the other. And I was walking along and I was like, that's a funny brown pigeon flying at the level of the cars. And it was a sparrowhawk flying absolutely silently, eye level, straight past me. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Oh, really? Gosh, that's it a lovely thing incredible. To wow. A, a hunting mission, maybe. For the ages, yeah. Perfect. Gosh, you've got sparrowhawks coming up your ears I know, I'm inundated. You haven't taken us to see the sparrowhawks and our lunch breaks. We will do that. Can we do that? Yes. That would be good. Okay. We're going to hold you to it because it can't be that far from No, no, no. We'll be there in five minutes. Oh, there we go. Sparrowhawk action coming up. Cool. Well, mine is, I've had lots of lovely outings and seen lots of good wildlife, but uh, the one I want to share with you is sighting and happening. It was the worst pub, the worst country pub I've ever been into. I'm not going to name even the county I was in. I don't (laughs) want to name and shame. But I think we should do an episode on what is the perfect country pub and the essence of that. This is a wonderful autumn vibe. Yeah. So we could go and sit by a fire somewhere and discuss the merits of, but this one, There were two pubs in this particular village. One was full of people and had a sort of nice, gentle, warm vibe. The other one, there was no people. Well, there was two people. But there was a big screen showing quite busy music, like MTV-type show. And then the tables are really high up and the chairs are really low down. So you had to sort of reach really high (laughs) to put your glass down. And uh, the floors were just hard no carpets there was a strange smell of disinfectant and something else which i don't want to everything about it was cold and eerie and i haven't been into a pub that made me feel so repelled because oh, no. <laughs> i love a good country pub and you know when you've got the sort of horse brasses over the mantelpiece and yeah. The, yeah. Uh, hops hanging from the ceiling there's lots of dark Very low wood ceiling yeah yes. there's snugs for chats there's lots of different ales with incredible sort of designs on every single yeah you know let me take you there but i'm trying to take you there <laughs> i mean you wondered why last week someone messaged in to check you did actually have a cup of tea yeah, and not that's... a bite <laughs> yeah, well, <you> know. <laughs> so let's do an episode on that absolutely well listen please tell us about your adventures in the countryside we love to hear stories and we love to get uh, recordings of anywhere you've been, anything you've seen, anything you've heard. And we love to, well, we share them with other listeners, but the, our favourite one, we'll give a little treat from our podcast library. And we do have a really lovely listener email. Hannah, would you happily do the honours? Happily, I will. Hooray. We have a letter here from Jeff and Jenny Lambert in Australia. 
Dear Fergus, Hannah and Jack, we are regular listeners of the podcast. We live in an urban area on the coast of New South Wales, but we are fortunate to have many pockets of bushland, as well as coastal wetlands nearby. The podcast has inspired us to take more notice of the birds and plant life around us on our walks, and we enjoy hearing the sound recordings from your other listeners. With this in mind, we attempted to record the bird song yesterday as we walked in one of our local nature reserves. Hopefully you will hear a multitude of different bird calls. Thank you for all your wonderful work. Oh, thank you. That's a really kind thing to say, um, Jeff and Jenny. It's spring over there, I guess, so it'd be nice to hear a bit of spring in faraway places. Here we go. special that's great wonderful thank you very much it's so transporting yeah I, I, absolutely right it's so exotic sounding mm. and all those curious calls off yeah i was in I, I in my mind where were you in your mind australia <laughs> <laughs> okay i was in the jungle maybe bush bushland near some wetlands um <laughs> i think as much as it's exotic though it's quite surprising it's quite similar yeah to some of the recordings we've got over here obviously there's certain birds that sound a lot more australian mm. <laughs> um but just just think that that's the complete opposite place to hear oh, yeah yet there's still quite a few similarities it's quite yeah, a nice the pitch and the rhythm is very sort of familiar feeling mm. wonderful well thanks jeff and jenny well, i've got a lovely book here from that jack has passed me from the library it's called country matters a countryside companion 74 tips tales and talking points by meg clothier and johnny clothier that's published by profile books so yes we'll send that off to you other listeners out there, please do send in your own sounds. You can catch us all at the email address editor at countryfile.com. But now I think that's, that's probably enough for us, us chatting. We should head to Kenneth. He's waiting. So sit back, grab a cup of tea and join us as we head to the Isle of Seal to listen to Kenneth Stephen. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. It's a beautiful but blustery day, just about the very middle of July. And I decided to come out this afternoon and record something that I hope is different to anything I've done before. I was suddenly the other day thinking about the number of birds, of amazing birds that I've seen from this very place where I'm recording, which is the top of a little tower where the entrance is to my studio, where I write and where I also paint, try to paint. It's a blustery day. There's blue sky and Wimbledon is still on in the last throws. It's just about to finish. It's a beautiful day, but it's not the heat wave that we had here in the west of Scotland about 
probably a month ago or so. There may unfortunately be a beeping noise that is picked up by the recording equipment because my neighbours some fields away are working, I think, on the building of some new bit of property. But I simply wanted to record this because of the number of stories that came to my head which I wanted to share. First of all, I want to give a try to give a good impression of where it is that that studio is, the tower where I, where I write, where my studio is. It's up a stone staircase and I'm standing at the top of that staircase. It was originally a garage, so down below um, is where the car was always supposed to be and where instead all manner of other things are, are stored. It's become a glory hole for everything else. And it was my wife who suggested that the, the studio should be built above that to give it protection from the relentless west coast rains. And that was a, a wise idea indeed. So I'm looking down from here, from the very top of that staircase, with the door to my studio behind me. I'm looking out, first of all, and I want to try. This is It's always difficult to do in sound. I'm aware of the different impressions that must be given to listeners by what I say. And I want somehow to try to communicate a clear picture. Straight ahead of me, about, let's say, a mile, a mile and a half away, are the last hills of the island of Seal on which we live. They're not very high hills. They look quite hill. My little girl calls them the highlands, um, but they're not. They're only a few, perhaps 600 feet in height. They're wooded hills and they fall down, so to speak, um, to low, very low ground. Sea level, really getting on for that, 10-20 feet above sea level, a large bit of swampy ground which lies around pretty much three sides of, of our house. Two sides of it at least. And it's a corridor for wildlife and that's what makes this place so incredibly special for, well, I think for bird life most of all, for the variety of bird life. And what inspired me to make this podcast the other day was looking down from the top of what I call tongue-in-cheek the battlements outside the door to the studio. I looked down to the lawn and saw that there was a, a snipe feeding at the very bottom of our garden, probably getting good juicy worms from that very sumpy ground. And I was amazed. I thought, who has got the privilege of looking out on their garden and seeing uh, a snipe feeding? Now, this is not, I want to say from the outset, this is not about show offering, far, far from it. It's a celebration. I just want it to be a celebration of the birds that I have around me and a kind of little bit of giving thanks for them and for all the, all the incredible wildscape that there is. It's just... It just never ceases to amaze me how fortunate we are to have the birds that we do and the, and the animals that we do around us, around this particular bit of, of wet ground. And part of it, part of it, as I will have said before in recordings, is that it's a place where human beings can't be. That sump ground that occupies two, two and a half sides of 
of this bit of, of country of the Isle of Seal is absolutely impossible to negotiate for a human being. It's too wet. It's sump ground. And this is something I've learned from, from wildlife producers in recent years, that where human beings aren't, where they can't exist, where they can't walk, where they can't intrude, there is nature. There is nature at its often richest and finest. I remember my wife and me watching a, a most moving documentary about Chernobyl. Not about the nuclear disaster, but about the wildlife. About the wildlife that has moved into Chernobyl. Because no human beings want to go there. Because of the radioactive the radioactive poisoning that has has affected trees and woodland and everything else, the ground. There are no humans. There's wildlife, the most amazingly rich wildlife. So that was the start of it. Seeing the snipe the other day, um, pecking away with its long straight bill um, for, for worms at the bottom of the garden. That was what inspired me to, to make this. And then, and I'm turning now in a slightly different direction, I'm turning straight north to another bit of sump ground, the main Brit that lies between us and the little Lochen, the little tiny, it's called or nicknamed uh, Teddy's Pond, in honour, I'm sure, of, um, of the person who lived on its edge at one time. Teddy's Pond, uh, I know I've spoken about it before, this Lochen, it's a tiny little puddle really. It's tidal. There's a little channel that links it to the sea, to our east side of the island of Seal. And it's the most incredibly rich little pond um, for for life of all kinds, for bird life in particular. I think of the hooper swans that are there in great numbers in the winter. I think of the grey laggies. I think of the Canadas that are there as well. It supports so much. And right now, two of the most beautiful birds that are on it are goosanders. And I think, I always feel sad that they are just called ducks because somehow they deserve to have a, a better name than that, I feel. With their beautiful, their most incredible white and black markings. And it's a pair of goosanders that are on, are on the little lochen, are on Teddy's Pond. There's an island there and I suspect that they have tried to make a nest there to try to to raise young this year and haven't succeeded. They have had young in previous years. But it's wonderful coming down in the morning and just recognising them from the kitchen window, seeing seeing these wonderful, the, the glorious birds is a better word to describe them. They're glorious. So the goosanders as well. And the other bird that comes to the Lochen, to Teddy's Pond, which we saw only the other day, tends to be in the summer, this time of year, for obvious reasons, because they're nesting in the area. And that's the osprey. And I don't think I've mentioned that in my recordings before. I grew to recognise uh, the sight of, of ospreys. The, the, I can see when I'm describing that, I'm thinking of their wing beat as they hover looking down, spying the water, the river, or the loch below them to spy for fish and then dive for them. 
I learned to recognize them when I lived still in Highland Perthshire where I grew up and was living in the small village of Dunkeld. And the Ospreys used to come then down to the river from time to time and I would recognize their flight. I learned to recognize that flight. So the first time I saw them here on the island of Seal, I, I knew at once, simply because my eye had been trained to them back in Perthshire, I thought, yeah, that's an Osprey. And it's as though they're coming to do training flights. They're obviously, whether they're youngsters who are coming flying over the loch and learning on their own, it has to be said, they're not with parents, they're not with guardians. They are there themselves. They may be just learning. Christina, my wife, got a, a picture of one not many days ago where the bird did actually drop down to the loch to try to get a fish, but failed, rose again with nothing we think. Uh, but most of the time they're just hovering. But how about that? The wonder of that, the sheer magic of being able to sit at your own kitchen table and say, oh, there's the osprey back again. I sound almost quite blasé about it because of the regularity of their visits in the summertime. How wonderful is that? I'm just, I am, as I say, this is not about bragging. It's about saying how thankful I am to be in such a place uh, with such a plethora of wildscape around me. I look to, to now I'm coming back as it were to, to land, I've moved just a little bit, um, a little bit to the side, so I'm looking at one side of the roof of, well it's the garage roof, and it's also then the roof to, to my shelter, to my studio, and the place where I paint. And from here, I'm looking out to the east side of the island of Seal. I can see one or two boats bobbing in the bay. I can hear the dogs of our neighbours um, behind in the next garden, and I'm sure that you will be able to hear them too. Um, and I'm looking, Teddy's Pond is a little bit behind me now. So looking just to that, I'm, I'm able to see a little strip of of the sea on the east coast and then the mainland with the woods behind here if i tap it you should i hope be able to hear the sound of of that roof just to assure you that i really am where i'm maintaining i am and i'm seeing the side of the guttering there um, at the at the edge of that roof over the garage and the studio and I think to myself of one of the most amazing encounters that I had a year two years ago I'm not sure which now our neighbors and it was their dogs that you heard just a moment ago our neighbors have a little outhouse which is it, well it's it's not far off falling down it's still standing mercifully because it's home to swallows to um, a family of swallows every year and this particular year the swallows are all around us this year they have four young and we were privileged enough to see them learning to fly on their out on their first flying day about a week ago and Christina got pictures of them lovely pictures of them setting off swooping off from the other side of of the building of the garage studio off into flight for the first time 
Last year, or the year before, as I say, I was standing in this very spot on the edge of the battlements, as I like to call them, just looking out over over the wild bit, over the sump, lying between me, between the studio and, and, the, and the Lochen. And there, beside me, on the edge of the guttering, was a swallow, one of the swallows. And it was twittering to itself, using a mixture of of twittering and whistles, this wonderful language. And I always wonder if if they've listened to people in South Africa, listen to the local languages. And I love to imagine that they have replicated something of their speech by the clicks and whistles that they employ in their wonderful vocabulary. They've got such rich voices, swallows. I love listening to them. I love, all. it has to be said, trying to imitate them in a very, very poor way. Um, but nothing can be the real voice of a swallow, that's for sure. Anyway, this swallow sat beside me on the edge of the of the roof guttering and knew I think that I was there. I I said something. You know, I said something in, in, in a soft voice and yeah the swallow continued making its wonderful plethora of sounds um, sitting beside me on the edge of the roofing. And we sat there together and I maybe said the odd inane thing. We stood there together. We sat there together, however you want to describe it. Um, we were there together on, on the edge, looking north, the two of us, talking together for a few minutes. And I still and always will reckon it's one of the most privileged conversations of my life to have conversed with a swallow. And before I read the odd thing, I want to look back west now towards the highlands and and almost into the sunlight um, and think of the fact that on this, this is the very flight path um, from east to west of the ravens. We haven't seen so many in the last few days, but almost every day through the year there will be ravens. How do I know they're there? Because of their calling, because of their deep coal-like voices and um, I, I know from, from from my wife who's a Swede that um, in, in mythology they are Hugin and Moomin. Uh, Hugin and Moomin, the two ravens that were of course employees of the Norse gods because they are such, they're very very wise, they're very intelligent birds, the top of the of the corvids so to speak and they talk to each other as they're crossing the sky. They do always go in pairs so the the Norse folk were wise in describing them as Hugin and, and Moomin as, as flying in pairs because indeed they do. That's precisely what they always seem to do. Very rarely do you see a raven alone. They are in pairs and they're talking to one another as they go, as though to reassure one another or to let each other know of their position, their thoughts. What, who knows? Would that we could understand the language of ravens. But they are most definitely communicating. Those are just some of the of the highlights that I want to want to offer from from this place. 
as I, as I stand here today with the wind. And I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm doing uh, the thing that should never be done when you're working in a in studio, and that is to make any kind of noise with, with papers. That's one of the first things that you learn when you're in a recording studio. But I don't have the privilege of a recording studio. And uh, what I'm going to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading these so to speak, on the hoof. Um, I'm, sur- I'm standing up and trying to hold them down with one hand as uh, and, and strong sunlight on them. I have a new collection of, of poems which is going to be appearing in the next few weeks called Seeing the Light. And I thought that I would read two poems inspired by, by this world where we live, this wonderful world written over the last the course of the last year appearing in the book. And the first, the, f- the first one is called Of Price and Worth. Let the ordinary be in your hand. Hold it open and imagine a bird landing, offering all it possesses in trust to come to you. Learn to look for the little things that weigh nothing at all, but fill the heart with such light they can never be measured. And the second poem is called The Garden and the Gardener. Now, I have to stress that there's, there's, there's some irony in that title, because I am far from being a gardener. I'm a would-be gardener. W-O-U-L-D, would-be gardener. Um, I love this patch of ground that we have, swamp-like though it is, and difficult to cope with. But I'm learning. I'm learning and loving it. So the voice that's, that's, that's speaking here, that's writing, is not truly my voice. Although I am using the elements of the natural world that I know and love here to fill the poem. I stand and watch the evening come. The ripening light that fills the glades with gold. This stillness I have lived and grown for forty years. And sometimes in the morning there are deer that come and drink the water from the pond and watch the silence weary for a sound. I cannot send them scared away but stand in shadow watching them and knowing now that this is theirs as much as it is mine, that this frail earth was never meant for man to wall and claim his own. Instead it was a gift to leave behind more beautiful and free. So thank you so much, Kenneth, for inviting us to your wild island and sharing some of your poetry and some of your experiences with the bird life there. It sounds absolutely magical. And that's it from this week's podcast, but please do join us again next week when we're off for another adventure in the British countryside. From me and the team, it's goodbye for now. <laughs>